Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense. Brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies. John's guest is Brian Levinson, founder of Strong Skills which provides executive coaching and mental performance coaching, speaking, and consulting to elite organizations, performers, and leaders. The title of the show is Shift Your Mind. Over to you, John. Well, Brian, great to have you on the show. Always so nice to have somebody who's local. I know, John. In another world, maybe we'll get to be in person and and get to handshake or fist bump or hug or whatever is appropriate socially and from a COVID standpoint. But uh, good to good to talk to a fellow Washingtonian as well. Good, good. Actually, I'm uh, born and raised in DC. One of the one of the few. I'm with you. I'm outside DC, so I grew up in Maryland, and my parents are both from Chevy Chase. So uh, we've got longstanding roots in the area. And anytime someone says, "Oh, there aren't Washingtonians," I say, uh, "You're just not hanging out with the right crowd." And so uh, I can talk about the history of, of this city and the area. And I, I'm proud to be from DC. I really am. It's a big part of my identity, and I, I just found that there's a lot of great people that I was fortunate to be brought up with and to be surrounded by. And I'm really passionate about the city. Oh, no, I totally agree. I'm excited to hear about your new book, Shift Your Mind. I love that title. So let me just ask a question about that. I've been involved in a lot of activities which are really talking about how you can get from wherever your mind is to a better state. An example would be landmark education, where you learn your story that holds you back and how to get beyond that. Another would be the old power of positive thinking. And then there's something that many, many of us have heard over many years, and that is, it's not what happens to us. In many cases, we can't control that. But what we can control is how we react. Is that what the shift your mind is about, some of that, or is it a whole different spin? Yeah, I agree with some of that and maybe would take issue with some of it. The book is really about when rather than maybe what. The idea of when being your mindset in preparation, your mindset in performance, and how you need to shift those two. So preparation really has to do with, it's an action or a process to try to make ourselves better or competent or, or to get ready or to improve or grow, develop, learn, what have you. Whereas performance is much more about execution and the ability to deliver in, in some way where you're going to be evaluated. I know a lot of your listeners are in sales, how they're preparing for a sales call is different than how they're performing for a sales call. And then, of course, there's practice, which I come from sports, and sports does a great job of practicing. And the best organizations, the best sports teams, the best athletes I've spent time with do a really good job of blending their preparation mind and their performance mind in practice. And and practice is really about becoming proficient. So they work on growing, developing, learning in their preparation mind. And then they also simulate, whether it's a scrimmage or in soccer, they play small-sided, they do things that help them get ready to perform and actually practice the performance. The book is much more about shifting your mind and the power of polarity and the idea that and is more valuable than or and just being aware of when you're needed to be in that preparation mind and when you need to be in that performance mind. One of our mutual friends, Alan Stein, who was a coach for Kobe Bryant, 
as I remember Alan telling the story, Kobe would get to the gym at 4 a.m. And before anybody else got there, he'd already taken 900 jump shots. <laughs> Which, yeah, Kobe is, is littered throughout my book because when it comes to setting your mind, I, I call it set mind more than mindset because I think your mind is anything but set. It's up to you to intentionally set your mind. And Kobe, he was so humble in his preparation. He went and worked with Hakeem Olajuwon, who is a center who would work on his footwork. And uh, he would work with Hakeem on his footwork to try to get his footwork to be better. As he got older, he knew he was going to have to play more inside than always rely on the outside game. So he had this humility about him to learn and grow. And curiosity was a big piece to his process. He, he said as a kid, Curious George was his favorite book. And he just talked about curiosity anytime he was interviewed. Yet when Kobe stepped between the lines to perform, he developed a nickname for himself called the Black Mamba, which is much more of an assassin, like cold-blooded killer <laughs> mindset. And so Kobe really, if you go through the shifts that I talk about in, in my book, and there's nine of them that I focus on, Kobe really hits on, on most of them. He's perfectionistic in his preparation, and then he's adaptable in his performance. He'd be selfish in his preparation, and then he'd be selfless in trying to find ways to help the team win in performance. He'd be humble in preparation and arrogant in performance. Even if he missed his first five or six shots, he'd keep shooting. I love that you brought him up, and Alan's a friend of mine and endorsed the book, which I'm grateful for. I love when he talks about Kobe and what he witnessed as well. And if you're around basketball, everybody's got a Kobe story that, that's been around him because the way he said his mind was just so epic. And uh, he really speaks to the book in a lot of different ways. You mentioned nine shifts. What's an example of a shift that salespeople could learn from? I think for, for sales, one of the things that's really big is experimenting in preparation, always trying and testing and trying to discover a way of doing something. And then once they are performing, really trusting their process and letting go, unquestioned belief and resolve. I worked in sales right out of college and I had two different sales jobs. One was I was in a condo building and people would come in and I just had to sort of wait for them to come in and then sell them condos. And then the other was I actually worked for an ice cream and candy company that I'm sure you're familiar with, Giffords Ice Cream, which is a local Washington institution and unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. But I was in their wholesale department. So I would go to restaurants, grocery stores, country clubs, and sling ice cream and candy. And I found that I got a lot of no's. And I had to constantly experiment in preparation and, and work on my craft and find other ways to be thoughtful. But then once I was out in the field, and at that time, I would get in my car and just walk into a restaurant and try to talk to a chef, I needed to have an unquestioned belief and resolve in what I was selling and really trust that process. That's an example. I think there are certainly others in the book that I'm happy to go through. Um, that's an example that I think would be helpful for a salesperson. Yeah, it's always great to have a process for, I mean, anything in life, actually, as I'm sure you know, but especially for salespeople. If you know the process, let's just say it's a five-step process. If you know the process, you know the five steps, and you've executed them with repetition, then it really just becomes automatic. For sure. I think salespeople often are focused on the how, that's sort of the process of, of what it looks like. OG Mandino talked about in The Greatest Salesman in the world, where he provided these scrolls on on the habits that he would want to show up with and, and how he'd want to show up with and the ability to trust in that process and keep going, even though you're getting rejected and saying no. And that's an example of how you can sell and, and how the how really matters. I, look, I think 
for all of us, there needs to be an element of experimenting, changing, adjusting, shifting, always tweaking. And then once you're trying to execute, it's less about tweaking in that moment and more knowing that you put in the work and experimented so that now you can trust your process and, and find a way. I'll agree. And I, I've read 1,200 books just because I'm, <laughs> I'm a kind of a learner. And uh, so many authors have so many great things to say. So one of the ones I've read recently was James Clear, Atomic Habits. Yeah. So great. And so when you talk about a sales process, when you can make each step in the sales process a habit that just comes naturally, then under stress or pressure, you still can kind of automatically or know what to do. And you know the process so well or the habit so well that you can spin on a dime if, if you need to. For sure. Another one we talk about in the book is analysis and preparation and instinct and performance. So it's spending time analyzing, really doing a detailed examination of what you're trying to do and, and the basis for what you're going to talk about and then letting go of that and really tapping into a natural or innate impulse, your gut and trusting in your instinct and your gut. And a lot of people that are performing need to let go of analysis and they often get analysis by paralysis when they're performing. Really, the book hits on this idea of shifting because if we use instinct in preparation, we don't necessarily do the deep analysis needed to grow and develop and, and get better. And if we use analysis and performance, it can cripple us and, and cause us to, to sort of hesitate and, and not execute when we need to. And if you use any of the shifts that I talk about in the wrong time, it can really get in the way for performers. And that's what I noticed in working with elite athletes is that when they would use the, the wrong thing at the wrong time, it would really impact their performance. And the ones that were really elite and had clarity in their performance understood how their preparation mind actually impacted their performance mind. So if they experiment in preparation, they earn the right to trust their process and performance. Or if they use analysis and preparation, then they earn the right to use their instinct and performance. So they really do go hand in hand and can help you bring out your best self when you need to. Yeah, you know, in um, Atomic Habits, I learned one big thing that I different than I thought. And that is to uh, create a habit. I've always known this. It takes repetition. In fact, my wife and I were talking about this recently, and she was Catholic, and she would refer to the nuns who taught her in Catholic school that the mother of learning is repetition. Mm -hmm. One of the things James Clear's research showed was, I'm sure you've probably heard this, it takes 30 days to create a new habit, or it takes two months to create a new habit. And actually, that time is not the right answer. What he showed with plenty of research, it's the number of repetitions. So if you do the repetitions in 10 days, sufficient number, you can get a habit in 10 days. I found that fascinating. Yeah, it goes to that deliberate, deliberate practice piece as well. John, John, Brian, excuse me. It's time for a quick commercial break. And let's do that break to remind you that over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. That's right natural aptitude. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ as they call it, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. If you want to find out how to find the winners and choose the right people, go to asherstrategies.com or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866 866- 
833-933-9941. And now back to our show. We've been speaking with Brian Levinson about shifting your mind. Now back to the discussion. So Brian, very interesting about the habits and the intention. So you have your own podcast, which is great. And the name of the podcast is Intentional Performers. Could you just give a quick description of what's the message there? So what we're doing right now is something I'm a big fan of. I love podcasts and I think it's just a great medium to learn and grow and develop. And originally when I started out, I guess it was three or four years ago now, I started my podcast. It was called Beyond the Surface. And the idea was to go beyond the surface with all kinds of performers and go a little deeper with them to really unpack and discover how they became the way that they are. And after about 30 episodes in, I recognized and realized that there was a pattern between the CEO, the athlete, the actor, the journalist, whoever it might be that I was chatting with on my podcast and that they were all intentional with how they were going about their performance in some aspects of their life. And I was just kind of blown away by that. And so I was on vacation one day and I was just thinking about it. And I said, gosh, they're all intentional performers. And it just kind of hit me. And so I, I shifted the name of, of the podcast. And ever since then, I've really made it an intentional priority to interview people that are being thoughtful and intentional with how they're going about not just their craft, but also their life. I love learning from those people. And I love finding out how they're showing up, what are little things that they're doing. So one CEO would write a note in his wallet to remind him to give back to the community and his mission. Another person was a female women's professional basketball player and she tore ACL a couple of times. And the second time she spray painted her wall saying, no quit in me to remind herself that she was going to recover and get back out there. I had a uh, national champion wrestler who talked about visualizing himself breaking through and using imagery to intentionally show up once he was the championship on his sport's biggest stage. I love that idea of intention. And I think when you study a lot of elite performers, you mentioned Kobe Bryant, he meditated often, he read often, he interviewed and spoke to other performers, whether they were musicians or actors. And I think you'll notice that a lot of the best performers in the world are very intentional with how they go about studying and thinking about their craft. Oh, it's great insight. You, you know, our sales training has a big neuroscience component now where we talk about how to wake up the buyer's old brain and the various cognitive biases. And one of those biases is called a commitment bias. And there are five steps to really make a commitment happen whether it's New Year's resolution, what you give up for Lent if you're Catholic, executive goal, or a salesperson's quota. And if you go to the Berkshire Hathaway website, Warren Buffett's been using these five steps to make sure you achieve your commitment for 50 years. And the number one step is have an intention to have a goal, the number one step. So if you're not starting with that, you're not gonna get anywhere, in my opinion. So totally agree with what you're saying. I think a lot of us go through our life sort of monotonous in a monotonous way and sometimes are not self-aware and thoughtful about how we're showing up. And uh, we're all capable of doing it. I, I certainly go through stretches where I lack intention, but I find that I'm often at my best when I'm really thinking about how I want to show up and then stepping into that. And also thinking about what do I look like when I'm at my best? 
and trying to make that happen more consistently. I think a lot of times in psychology, especially, we spend time on what do people look like when they're at their worst. And I love the science around positive psychology and what's gone on there in the sense that thinking about our best self and trying to find ways to make that come out to the forefront more often, that excites the hell out of me. And uh, I find that many of my clients benefit when they can unpack that and think about that and then create strategies to commit to that version of themselves and, and intentionally show up, whether that's for their family or their kids or their job or the people they're leading. I know you have a lot of CEOs that listen to this. And I find that the best CEOs in the world are very intentional with their strategy. They're intentional with how they're leading people. They're thoughtful. And sometimes they make decisions that others are going to disagree with. And as long as there's some intention behind it and they can explain it, then even if it's a mistake, I think we can be more forgiving if we understand why someone went about it the way that they did. No, it's a great, great insight. And we have a sales aptitude assessment that assesses who's, who's got the right talents for sales. And so if you go back to the studies like Good to Great, Dan Pink's Drive, and the Gallup study, First Break All the Rules, all say the same thing. And that is find out what people are really great at naturally, put them on that seat on the bus, and help them improve what they're really great at. And then the second rule is find out what people aren't good at and don't try to improve them. <laughs> don't, try to fix, don't try to fix what you can't fix. <laughs> I love the idea of nurturing nature. I've got two small kids. I've got a three and a half year old and a four and a half year old. And yeah. anyone that has kids, if they believed in just nurture <laughs> and that was it, once they had kids, I, I bet you that their perception and perspective changes. I know it did for me one of my kids is very fierce and tough and strong and defiant. And the other one is gentle and kind and sweet. And as far as I know, the parents are the same uh, for, for both of them. And so I, I think there is something to nurturing nature and being aware of where our competence and our gifts lie. And then on the flip side, managing some of the, the weaknesses that we have and becoming aware of those weaknesses and how those can get in the way. And for me, a big weakness has always been anger. I've done a ton of work on becoming more aware of that anger. I wouldn't even say manage it, but develop a relationship with that anger because it serves me in a lot of ways. And I don't want to just mute it and get rid of it, but it often also gets in the way and it's often what causes me to regret some of the decisions I make. So I think part of becoming an adult, a grown-up, a competent professional is understanding where your gifts lie, going towards those competencies, and then also creating awareness around where you have some weaknesses so that you can either surround yourself with those types of people or you can at least develop yourself to be mediocre at handling it and, and cultivating a relationship with some of those weaknesses. So that's a lot of the work I do with athletes all the time and executives as well. So I, I love talking about that stuff. No, that's great. I couldn't say it any better than, than you said it. Now, I'll tell you one thing that's intentional for me. This has served me well over many, many years. And that is every day when I wake up, uh, I actually I'll stay in bed sometimes for 10 minutes. And I want to say, I'll say every day, what is the one big thing I must do today? And then I do it. And sometimes it, I don't get it done until 10, 10 p.m. because of circumstances. But that has served me so well, just getting one big thing done each day. Not three things, just one. 
Yeah, there, there's so many things we can do first thing in the morning that are good for us. I, I love that idea of MIT, like most important task, I believe is the acronym. And so that's sort of the approach you're taking. One of the people I really respect, his name's Dr. Michael Gervais, and uh, he has a great podcast called Finding Mastery. And I had him on my podcast and he works with the Seattle Seahawks and Microsoft. He's just an awesome human. And he talked about on my podcast how every morning he wakes up and puts his feet on the ground and just thinks of one thing he's grateful for. And I think that's a really powerful thing that we can do as well. Of course, exercise, sleep, uh, diet, nutrition, meditation, writing, <laughs> reading. There's so many things we can do. It feels <laughs> a little overwhelming sometimes when you see the science around that sort of stuff. But I love the focus that you have in saying, here's my intention for the day. If I can get this done, then I'll have progressed in, in some way. I think that's a really cool approach to first thing in the morning sort of habits. I like it because it's not complicated. Simple, right? Easy. <laughs> Easy is good. So anything you can leave based on all the uh, great information about intention with salespeople, for example, how sales and sports are similar? For sure. I think, first of all, sales and sports align because of the competitive nature. There's a scorecard. You know where you stand when you're in sales. The dollars matter. And in sports, there's winning and losing and there's a scoreboard. So I think at the core, both of those, they both involve competing. And I think a mistake that people often make is that competing is just about beating others. Whereas the origins of the word compete comes from the word competere, which is Latin to mean to strive with. And when we're striving with other people, it usually brings out our best. I think the best salespeople, the best people in sports focus on the process more than the outcome, even though they know that the outcome is how they're going to be measured and hired and fired, et cetera, et cetera. So they become really obsessed with that process and they compete and stay competitive within that process. And then I think another big piece that we haven't really talked about today that I'll just bring to the forefront is that, is, is that I think both sales and sports are our team sports. They're, they're team events. You usually have sales teams and sports teams, even individual sports. If you're a runner, you, you'll talk about the team that helped you get to where you needed to go or golfers or tennis players. And sales the same way. No one gets anywhere alone. So I think it's always important to surround ourselves with smart people, people that care deeply about us and understand that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And that often will bring out the best version of ourselves. So those are, those are a couple of things I think about often. No, those, those are great. Now, I know you do a lot of thinking about the future. And so when you think about the future of um, human development, I know that's, a, that's big on your list. What, what are your main thoughts about that? I created a company called Strong Skills. And the idea of Strong Skills is essentially to reshape and rethink about how our society thinks about the inner skills and what they used to call soft skills. At least I hope they'll used to call them soft skills because I, I just don't like that term coming from sports. Soft usually gets you fired or cut from a sports team. I really hope that organizations will continue on the path that they're on, which is embracing these skills, these inner skills that really help us figure out uh, our potential. And I think everyone's got talent and we work on the hard skills and develop these hard skills all the time. But in sports and in business, uh, sales teams are no different. How can we continue to develop our inner skills and our strong skills? And I know you spend a lot of time helping people cultivate those skills as well. Uh, I'm really excited about the future of human development, whether it's in sport or in business. I just think that there is, continues to be a value placed on it. And I think the use of technology, what we're seeing right now with Zoom and the ability for people to learn and grow and develop really excites me. I also think there's going to be a strong desire for us to have retreats and connect in other ways because while this pandemic 
brought all kinds of positive things and negative things. I think one of the big takeaways for me is that I, I miss the gatherings. I miss whether it's at a sporting event or a theater or a conference or just being outdoors with people in a park. I think we're always going to want to be in proximity to each other, especially in nature. So I'm hoping that we'll continue to get creative around retreats and, and get togethers and, and how we can leverage nature as well. No, I totally agree. John, John, excuse me for interrupting, but it's, unfortunately, it's time to close. Uh, damn it, Dave. It couldn't be that time already. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian and I were on a roll. <laughs> so, Brian, thanks so much for being on today. Could you just leave three main thoughts uh, that salespeople can uh, use, salespeople, sales managers, CEOs can uh, use to uh, pick up their game? For sure. I think the first one is what I talked about with the preparation and the performance mind. Really get clear on what you need in preparation, what you need in performance, and then what you need to do to practice your preparation mind and performance mind. Make sure you're clear on when you need each of those. The second is is more personal, which is I've told you I've got two two small kids. I'm happily married. Very hesitant to give marriage advice or parental advice, but a client once told me to take care of my marriage first and my kids second. And so I'd imagine a lot of people that are listening to this are trying to grow, develop, learn, get better. And I think for me, it's been really helpful, especially during a pandemic, to really think about what I need to do to take care of my wife first and, uh, and then my kids. And I think leadership works the same way. Take care of yourself first and then take care of your people. I think we often get those things mixed up and turned around. Those are some thoughts on that. And then the last thing, I'll just leave you with a quote that I love, which is from Albert Einstein, which he says, I have no special talent. I'm only passionately curious. And uh, I just think we learn when we ask questions, when we open our mind to, to being a learn-it-all instead of a know-it-all. And so uh, I appreciate you having me on and look forward to learning more from you and uh, learning more from your podcast in the future and, and just really grateful and, and glad to be here. And thank you so much, Brian. It's great insight for the listeners. Thanks for having me. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of Asher Sales Sense right here in the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you. 